Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Cover. I am one of your hosts, John Robb, joined here, of course, with my fabulous, good-looking host, Jeff Ayers. Jeff, how you doing? Doing good. How's it going? Good. Thanks so much for coming on again because you really raised the bar on this show. I kind of keep it low, and you like to keep it high, so that's a good max that we have here. <laughs> well, somebody's <laughs> got to keep you in line every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, I know, because when I'm on my own, man, I just go freaking bonkers. Um, but... Tonight's show, we're waiting for Eric Jerome Dickey to call in. Uh, hopefully the publicist put that on his calendar to do so. But then in the, uh, in the second half hour, we're going to have the writing team of Brian Andrews and Jeff Wilson. They'll be talking about their book, Tier One, and also about Brian's book, Reset. So we'll be involved in that one. But if Eric doesn't call in the first half of the show, then guess what? You got us! I mean, that's, that's Yeah, so bad, right? uh, make sure you tune out and come back in in about 30 minutes, people. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Or 25, because we'll just get them on right away, because they're going to get on about something. Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> so, but how you been? Good. Uh, had a wonderful, I so uh, got to visit Death we Valley week and Joshua on... Tree National Parks. That was a yeah, lot of fun. Because we skipped a week, because you were on vacation. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. I love visiting a national parks I've never visited, so. Yeah, and yeah. Joshua Tree, uh, jo- if people don't know Joshua Tree, it's kind of a, um, it's a different kind of national park. I mean, it's in the middle of the desert. And so you got some really great, I guess, I mean, it's a really cool park. I've, been, I've driven through it, but I didn't go deep into it like you did. Uh, my daughter did. She did. Yeah, it, it's uh, interesting how much plant and wildlife exists out there. I, I expected it to be barren, and that was the last thing it was. And that was kind of cool. Definitely yeah, surprised I mean, me and exceeded like, expectations. Well, you know, if you ever watch, like, the planet Earth, because I thought the same thing, but that planet Earth show, when it does the deserts, it kind of shows you that those plants literally get water from, like, the dew on the ground, and that's how they feed themselves. So they, they just very, very little water, and it's like the dew is how they function. It's, it's just amazing. Totally. Yeah, but it's a gorgeous place, yeah, and, and it, know, it's mean, not, it's so it's more than just the U two album is what I wanted to say. I was going to say so when you were out there, did did, did you play it? Did, did you just play the whole album and just be just <laughs> singing along like Bono Man and just hitting it? I did listen to some of their music, but um, it's funny at one of the visitor centers they actually have a bit about U two in that album, and they actually say that the photo on the album was shot near the Mojave Desert and not near Joshua Tree National Park. Uh, (laughs) They make that blatantly clear, don't they? (laughs) Yes. Well, you know, until Eric comes on, let's talk a little little books here. Um, Let's talk with a couple books that I know one of them is out, and another one, I think think he just came out today, actually. It was either today or last week. And then another one's coming out May 1st. Uh, So let me go first real quick, and and I'll say, because the one coming out May 1st, is one that I'm really excited about. It, uh, we're going to have him on the air. I'm going to think I'm talking to him on Saturday. Um, I forget the date, but I'll, I'll look it up. And uh, of course, it's John Land, and he's taking his first tackle at a murder she wrote book. 
And what oh, I really yes. find fascinating, yeah, and it's called uh, Date with Murder. And what I really find fascinating is I was, and, and we talked about this off the air. It's kind of like John style. Will it fit in a whodunit? And I'm, and I'm, and I can't wait to talk to him about it because I'm sure that when he was offered the gig, he was probably like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he probably started doing it, going, wait, wait, wait. Um, this is a, <laughs> this is a little different <laughs> than I'm kind of used to doing, you know, because Murder She Wrote's not a thriller. It doesn't scream off the page. There's no major gunfire. There's no big gun battles. There's no major car chases. There's nothing blowing up. It's it's Murder She Wrote. It's you know, 60-year-old Jessica Fletcher, you know, book writer, homie, Cabot Cove, small town. So that had to be a challenge for him. But what I found really cool well, and was that – Also, you expect a certain formula on yeah. how the murder happens and how things play out. Right. You kind of expect a little buildup. Then you kind of expect the body. Then you kind of expect the, you know, investigation and then the reveal. I mean, that's kind of the way kind of it goes. Sometimes the murder's early. Sometimes there's really no buildup, and they just kind of do the murder, and then they kind of do, you know, the suspectal part, you know, who's all in tweed, you know, interweaved around. Like Agatha Christie was extremely good at. Every, all the ten suspects that were there all had a reason for, for killing. There was some intricate right. little way that they were all connected and how they, you know, how they were trying to get rid of that person. But and so John did a did a really really fantastic job at taking kind of his thriller style, because you can see his thriller kind of style in certain parts of the book kind of come through. Like he had to do some of that, but he still had to lay out the clues because when you read a mystery, I mean, I like to try to figure it out. I mean, that's the whole point. I mean, I'm just not reading the book to see who did it. I want to try to figure out who did it. I want to know the clues. I want to see if I can get it. And I didn't get it. I was close. That was the second – I had the second person on my list was the one who did it. It was the first person I was wrong. So he did a good job of stumping me. Oh, that's great. Yeah. 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 And I know you read the book. Yes, and um, I, I enjoyed it as well. And I was worried that um, because in a thriller you can sort of – it's not the mystery element where you, as you said, decipher the clues and you know meet the suspects and stuff. I was worried because he writes thrillers that it might be a reveal of someone you hadn't met before at the very end of the book. You know, like I killed them all. Like who are you? I'd never even met you. Right. But um, but he didn't do that, and I, I was appreciative of that. Yeah, I mean, have you ever seen the fun. movie Murder? You ever seen the movie Murder by Death? Uh, it's the one with Truman Capote, and it has and it's oh. like the five. And it's like the five mythical detectives, but they're all off of real detectives. Like they have like a Kirill Pryo in there, but he's called something else. You have Miss Jane Marple, but she's somebody else. And But, you know, Peter Falk's in it, uh, David Niven, Maggie Smith. I mean, it's a wonderful cast of characters in this movie. And that was the, and that was the same thing that Truman Capote said at the end of the movie. Uh, he sat there and he goes, you know, he goes, you're introducing characters in the last five pages that weren't even in the book before, you know, and it's like you're <laughs> cheating your readers and we can't f solve this. So, you know, the whole thing about Murder by Death was, and it was a Neil Simon play, and if you don't know what it is, you should get it. It's a great movie, and I, and I, I highly recommend it because it's really funny. Too. It is a lot and, of fun. Um, but it's the same thing. He's kind of, he's pissed at these detectives that are like, 
characters in a book that someone's writing about or they're writing about themselves or in their thing, but he's mad because it's like you're giving clues that no one could possibly decipher. You're doing things that no one can figure out. So I'm going to challenge you, and I'm going to beat all of you, and I'm going to have a crime that you guys can't solve, and then I'll be the greatest detective. And that's the premise of the story. And so it was really funny, and I think that that's why I'm loving the, like, the murder she wrote in those because I, I always love to ravel puzzles. I always like to try to figure out puzzles. And it's even more fun when you're doing it from someone else because they're the ones who are constructing it, and you have to solve their puzzle. So it's trying to get into the mind of the author at that time. And when you read a lot of Agatha Christie's, there does come a time when you can start figuring out who's going to do it because it's kind of – she kind of starts using around the same kind of aspects of her, of her criminals. So you can start narrowing it down like right away, and then you can always narrow, you can always narrow it down to like five like right away. And then you can almost get it down to two, you know, three-quarters of the way through before anything comes down. So, and you're always pretty close because you always kind of had that same kind of formula. But I think John, and I want to see what he does with book two, and, and that's what he kind of wrote in our review was fans are going to be excited for his next installment because I think they're really going to like the way that he kind of did things. So I was really excited about that. Yeah, and uh, I'm definitely curious what he's going to do next as well. And I know he's got another Caitlin Strong coming too, and I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that's is that one. That's not Strong to the Bone, is it? That was the last one. I, I get confused. That was the last one. I think it's yeah, Strong okay. as so, Steel. Hey, that's the next one. At least I got the book title right. That was the most current. Kind of give me props on that one. Oh, it's the first time for everything. No, that's that's the props I get. First time for everything. <laughs> You hear that, everybody? That's the shit I got to take on the air. <laughs> but um, now the next book, and let me see when it came out here. Uh, let me just get to it. It's Jeffrey's book, Jeffrey Deaver, who I'm working on getting on the air. Just going to try to get this done. Oh, it came out April 10th, so it was two weeks ago. But it was The Cutting Edge, um, his latest Lincoln Rhyme novel. Did you read that one? I did. It actually, um, my AP review went up a couple weeks ago. Okay. I, I really like that book, too. I thought that that was a, uh, a good Lincoln Rhyme book. Um, I, I liked it in the fact that it was a different – it was a freaky kind of killer in this one. You know what I mean? I mean, it, it was yeah. – the killer seemed different – or the, I'll say villain. The villain seemed different than other villains in his book. It was like – this was like an outlier villain – uh, than others in the past. It was more, this villain had more of a purpose personally than some of the others, if that makes sense. It, it does. Um, I actually thought it was a bit slow to get going, which surprised me. It was. Because usually with his it books, was. they like Jump just right start out like, holy cow, and don't stop. Um, yeah. So it was a little bit, Strange, and I also was a little bit disappointed because usually, as you mentioned with Jessica Fletcher, um, he, you follow the evidence as he's trying to solve the crimes, and that wasn't part of this book. And no. so while it was good, I I was um, a little bit disappointed that what I expect in the Lincoln Rhyme series of books, I didn't get this time. Okay, well, That's I mean... That's not to say I didn't like that, it. Huh? That's not to say I didn't like it. 
I just as I said it was, thought it started a little slow and yeah. It was different. I mean, I um, you want to you want to know something funny? If you go on Amazon right now, yeah, my review and your review are right next to each other. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, because in mine it's Suspense Magazine right there, and then right underneath that one it says Jeff Ayers Associated Press. Huge twist, classic Deaver, gripping and terrific. And then they got mine in there. Incredible. Deaver's delivers another explosive book in the series. Deaver is a master. It will be no surprise to see the cutting edge appear on so many lists for, the, for, the, for being the best book of the year. And then I also tweeted out when I was reading it, and he, uh, he liked it. He, tweeted, he retweeted back and, con- and messaged me on it and, um, because I said, you know, reading the cutting edge right now looks like it's going to be another sleepless night. And I said, damn you, Jeffrey Deaver, for giving us another sleepless night book. <laughs> But yeah, see, that's what I thought. like I said, I was a little surprised how slow it started, but man, it was it was by the end it was like wow. Yeah, yeah. because it was like two cat and mouse games going on. I mean, it was yeah, like and two I, little. I mean, you had the witness, you had the killer, you had these things going on, and that was a little to me, you know. And I haven't read all the Lincoln Rhyme books, so if if someone, please don't email me if if I make a false statement, or you can email me, just tell me I made a false statement, but be nice about it, and. But I don't okay. remember him doing, like you said, I don't remember him doing it this way before in any of the other books. And this was crafted in a much different kind of way. I, I think that he was wanting to do something different with those characters, and yeah. I think uh, for the most part it paid off. Yeah, and I, and you know what? And I know a lot of people, when they pick up a book, they like to know it's going to be like the last book. To me, I find that boring. I like it's like when I pick up an album of like you know like any one of my bands like Megadeth, Metallica, Leopard, Maiden, something like that. I know that I want to hear their sound, but I don't want this album to sound like the last album because that's just boring to me. I want to see the different things or the statements or the voices that they use because things have changed in two years of their life or something to that effect. And I think that Jeffrey kind of did that with his story. I think he's changed a little as an author, and I think it kind of shows in this that maybe he was like, you know what, I'm going to change Lincoln Rhyme a little bit, and I'm going to, you know, and I'm, and I'm going to do something different. Yeah. So, yeah. So what did you reading and, and now that I, I like that half the time? Um, well, I was going to say one series that I absolutely am finding so much fun and surprised by that actually is uh, Catherine Coulter and J.T. Ellison. Oh. Uh, they do a series called A Brit in the FBI, and the new book is called The Sixth Day. I wonder if Shannon's going to read that one. Um, I I really okay. like this series a lot. Uh, they're FBI special agents. Uh, Michaela Kane is a uh, U.S. agent, and her partner is Nicholas Drummond, and he's from Britain, and he that's hence the Britain, the FBI, <laughs> name for the series. Uh-huh. And usually he's the fish out of water as they try and you know solve cases. And, and this is their third or fourth book? Just to let it's people the know. fifth. Oh, this is their yeah. fifth already? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. And um, this time it takes place in Britain, so uh, she's the fish out of water. So that, that was kind of a nice little twist that they have. And what I love about them is that they utilize 
historical things. They utilize some really strange fringe science sometimes. And the characters are very intriguing. So I, I'm a big fan. And so far they've not disappointed me yet. Nice. Let me, let me ask, let me, let me see. Are you going to read that new Catherine Coulter, J.T. Ellison book, The Sixth Day? Shannon's in here next to me. <laughs> well, she should no, if she's she has. She's going to send out a review. How many of you read of those of those books? She, she, okay, Myself? Because so I, I know that because I know she loves J.T. Ellison. I didn't know if she had read the series before. So I guess there's a reviewer that she sends out to that loves to read that story. So she doesn't she doesn't get involved in that one. She's a little shy. She won't be on the radio. <laughs> She's oh, talking really low okay. just to make sure her voice doesn't go over the air. That's hilarious. I love my <laughs> wife. <laughs> so, um, okay, so that's good. No. Because I know yeah, – um, then Yeah, so it, it's a great series. It's a lot of fun. And um, if you worry about, you know, things that are too violent or too, you know, like, ugh, there's none of that in there. It's a very uh, PG, which I also appreciate. You know, and the one thing because there's a lot of people, like there's a lot of people that, of course, like, and I'll just say like James Patterson and Clive Cussler, you know, those and uh, Tom Clancy. Well, you know, he's dead, but there's a lot of people who use those big names. But it's the author underneath, like Boyd Morrison and Robin Bursell, and you know, they're the ones actually writing the book. But people don't know that, and but the thing about J.T. and Catherine. Catherine's the bigger author, and JT's there, but they're both extremely involved in this writing process. It's not like JT's writing the book, and then Catherine's saying, oh, I don't like that, change that, and then send it back, and then JT does everything, and Catherine's just basically, you know, like doing some editing. They're both mm-hmm. extremely involved. We had them on the first time when they did their first one, and they explained the process, and I mean, it's like JT's going to Catherine's house, and they're sitting down for like days and then they're constantly talking and emailing. So that's a writing team where both authors are 100% like fully engaged in the work. So, and I think that that's really and we'll good. And we'll have where to ask writing teams how are our like next guests. We're going to have to ask how our next guests actually uh, collaborate together as well. Since yeah. because they Preston do that, and Child, so. but see, Preston and Child do that, but they've always done it that way. So it's typically when you right. have the main author with like a secondary author that some people know, but, you know, a lot of people don't know. Um, you know, like everybody knows, like a lot of people know, um, you know, Clive Kessler. Not as many people know Boyd Morrison. A lot of people know Tom Clancy. Not a lot of people know Graham Brown. And, and it's like that. And so I think a lot of people are like, oh, like James Patterson doesn't write these books. No, he probably doesn't write those books. But in Coulter and Ellison, they're both writing the book. I'll tell you that right now. So. Yeah. Yeah. So what else you got? Well, I was going to mention, I don't know when my review is going to post, but um, I read uh, The Hellfire Club by Jake Tapper, and... That's going to be an upcoming interview that you were able to do, and I was not able yes, to join you. Yes, I'm glad you brought that up. at the time. I'm, talk about that. I'm so bummed. Uh-huh. Um, it's a historical Washington, D.C. thriller involving Congress in the 50s. So you get the McCarthyism going on and things like that. And it's 
a very intriguing and very well written book, and I I think it's going to do very well for for him. How did the yeah, interview go? Yeah, I hope go? so. Um, so I inter- so here's the story on Jay Tapper. I was able to get him, and I interviewed him, and I talked to him, and it was a great like. I think it was like 15, 17 minutes because, I mean, I, I only had a, I, I had a half-hour window. They said, he's available between 1.30 and 2. This time, this day, this is what you get. Take it or leave it. I'm like, I'm taking it. And so I got him for about 15 yep. to 17 minutes, but never talking to him before. You know, I had never, never had a reason to talk to him because I'm not in politics, and I really don't want to be on CNN. So never talking to him before. And, you know, knowing that he's just a personality on the TV, but he was – such a fascinating interview with his book that when people listen to it, you know, regardless of whatever your politics are, regardless of whatever you think about CNN or whatever you think about the politics or whatever it is, this has nothing to do with any of that. This is just a great interview from an author talking about his book. Probably, I mean, it's it, it's up there with one of the, you know, with, with a lot of the authors, you know, guys that we do. I mean, it's it's a really really good uh, interview, and I think people are really going to hear that. See a little different. Maybe they'll see a little different side because I told him before before I started recording. I sat there and I go, Jake, I'm going to tell you right now, I will not mention one thing about politics going on. You are going to get 15 minutes of peace with me on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> And he laughed. He was like, "I appreciate that. Thank you." <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, I'm looking forward to listening to that interview you did with him. And for folks yeah. who are interested, he writes a really good book, and I was a bit surprised, honestly. And so, well, you know what? He's written. He, he wrote one called Outpost that won like a bunch of awards. I mean, it was a nonfiction book about an American, uh, American soldier in Afghan, I guess uh, the story of valor. Mm -hmm. And so he has written nonfiction before. This was his first shot at a fiction thriller. Um, Oh, so May 8th is when we're going to play that interview. I have to hold it till at least May 2nd because he was doing something. So they said, can you wait till May 8th? And I was like, sure. So we're going to play May 8th on this show. So two weeks from today, we're going to play that interview. Excellent. I look forward to hearing it. And um, it's interesting because the book came out today. Yeah. yeah. So I'm I wonder surprised if... that they're having you hold it that long, but cool. Well, because he – I know that's – but it was just the radio interview because he's doing something on May 2nd. I don't know if it was Good Morning America or something, but he's doing something May 2nd, and so they said to hold it till May 8th. I wasn't – and I was just like, that's fine. I'm not going to piss you off because – I want I want to be able to interview people like this again. So it's like I'll do what you say. Oh, of course, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's like trying to get a hold of the Hallmark people. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you know, I mean, because these TV. I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, the, you know, I get emails about you know, what about this person or this person? It's like, hey, I'd love to interview them, and if you have their phone number, give it to me. I mean, it's not like I can just walk down the street and knock on their door, and and, and I mean, it, a lot of the times. The problem with actors and actor and, and actresses, like we had Yannick Bassan on, but that's because his like new series was just coming out. The thing that's hard is interviewing these actors and actresses because a lot of the times they're on 
doing something else while the movie's coming out. So they've already done that movie a year ago, and it's been in the can, and it's just now in post-production and doing all this thing before it finally comes out. So to get them to try to interview for that, I mean, you might only have a two-week window when they're doing press, and they might be off filming a movie, and you just can't get them. Right. I mean, that's just the way it is. And a lot of the times, you know, the the publicists are really, really, like, extremely protective of these people. Like, they really are really protective of these people. And so it's tough to get them on like that, too. But Yeah, and um, that was a great interview with him. Um, I love Murdoch Mysteries, so it was fun talking it to was. him. And, uh, it was. It was one of our highest Yeah, and I got to shows, talk to David um, McCallum from NCIS, yep. and that was also a blast. But yep. you're right about that window that gave me this, <laughs> you know, like, you, you can do it this time or not at all. Like, okay, I'm calling sick to work, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what you guys do. It's like, all right, I'll, I'll be there. I mean, I interviewed Jake, and I was literally sitting at my desk, door shut, had a sign out there saying, do not come in until this time. <laughs> you know, because I'm like, I well, got to be on the phone. Do so, not come in until this time. Do not knock. I said, do not disturb until 11 a.m. because it was 1030 to 11 my time, 130 to 2 o'clock his time. And it was like, and I was like, do not knock and do not come in. I'm busy. And, um, yeah, and that was great so, because that's all you got. I mean, you got that. I mean, if I would have said, oh, can we do it? They would have said, nope, can't do it. Sorry. And I would have been, like, screwed. And that would have been, and that would have made me upset because I would have been like, oh, that would have been, you know, we got them. Oh, yeah. And you're so, going to hear them. I'm May so 8, bummed I couldn't be part I'm, of it. I, I got to tell you, I'm probably, we're, we're probably one of the only shows that was, like, able to grab him like that. You're I mean, I don't know right. any other shows yeah. that might be national. I mean, if we were national, I could see, but I mean, I'm not. I mean, I, I, so that was great that I was able to email, and she said yes, and then we got it worked out. So, you know, those are toughies. I mean, I tried to get Al Roker. I tried to get Jillian Anderson. Um, when she wrote, you know, I tried to get, oh, who's the other one? Um, oh, shit, Kurt Russell. I mean, and they just can't. You just, it's, 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 trying to get them is, is yeah freaking ridiculous so i'd love to interview these people trust me i would love it but it's just difficult but let's take a quick break here we're so lucky to get who we get that's for sure exactly and brian and jeff are excited to be on and that doesn't happen very often so we're excited to have them on and we're going to take a short (laughs) break because they are on hold right now um and so let's go with a little 80s music while you're waiting for us to come back we'll be right back Yes, we will. Hopefully.
know, I just like that song, and I was, I was sitting there listening to it for like 10 seconds, like, oh, I just want to keep listening to White Snake because I love White Snake. And if you love I White love Snake, Soft you Rock. should go get Thank the you. Purple album. But the Purple album was really cool, um, just to let you know. And what was, that, what, what was that slide remark about White Snake now? Well, I just said I like soft rock, so thank you. Oh, White Snake is not soft rock. <sighs> okay, first thing, you tell me when you saw that, when you saw, and I'm going to ask Brian and Jeff on this one, when you saw the video of Here I Go Again with Tawny Katane sitting on that Jaguar, you tell me that you didn't get a little excited, because I know I did. <laughs> My wife's sitting next to Whatever me, and happened I still to her, said it, so you know it's the truth. Okay. <laughs> All right, we digress, but we are so glad to be able to welcome Brian Andrews and Jeff Wilson. And they're going to talk about their book, Tier One, but we're going to jump first into Brian's book, and it's called Reset. So we want to thank them so much for coming on. So, guys, how are you guys doing today? Great, man. Thanks for having us. We're doing great. Yeah, thanks. Awesome. So let's jump in right now, uh, and let's talk about Brian. So your book, Reset. Uh, we want to get a little involved in that one, and then we're going to get into Tier 1 where you guys kind of uh, where you guys are writing team because your book Reset came out today. It's now available. Yeah, today's pub day. So I just thought it would be fun to just do a quick plug for that uh, since I'm excited since it's out in the wild, and then we can get into talking about uh, you know Tier 1 and co-authoring. But, uh, yeah, well, hit it. Is, uh, so what you got going on in Reset? Excited about the book out today. Yeah, I'm super excited. It's, it's a little bit of a departure from uh, some other stuff that that I've done solo and the, the work that Jeff and I've done. I mean, there, there's there's definitely tie-ins there, but I mean, it's it's got a little bit of a, a science fiction edge to it. And um, the thought process really with this book was, you know, growing up, I was a huge fan of um, all these sort of conspiracy type shows like X Files and War Games, and uh, big fan of all the James Cameron something that sort of like paid homage almost to that genre of like 1980s, 1990s uh, conspiracy lore. And, uh, you know, what's interesting is now with uh, the advent of artificial intelligence and, and there really is some uh, research being done on mind control, I could sort of wrap in these old ideas of, of uh, CIA mind control experiments and, and uh, alien technology and government conspiracies and kind of put a new twist on them. Nice. Well, um, I have to say thanks for making me feel old. You grew up on those shows. I was like an adult when those were on, so thank you for that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, why? Um, so why did you want to write about a science topic, especially since, uh, Jeff, you have the medical background? Yeah, but he has yeah, that well, giant uh, brain, you know. All I have is the paper. He's got the big brain in, in all of our operations, for sure. <laughs> well, I think... Uh, I have know, the good looks, though. I mean, I, I bring something. Okay, well, that's important, because I got the good looks in this show. But Jeff, <laughs> Jeff raises the bar, because it's I'm always in the me. gutter. And you and me, know, man. So. Yeah, we're together. It, it, it is a challenge on radio to prove these uh, these claims, though, you know? We don't have to prove anything. In today's day and age, you can just say whatever you want with no evidence. So I'm, I'm saying it. <laughs> so, well, Jeff, you know, along uh, those lines, so, um, 
when Brian is writing solo and when Jeff you're writing solo, do you guys help each other still? Yeah, you know, actually we we do. It's it's uh it's kind of weird like when we first started writing together um or actually just before we did, I thought it was a ridiculous idea. Like I just, you know, when Brian brought it up, I was like that's crazy. Like we can't do that. I I, I can't imagine writing with someone else and now even if I'm writing a solo thing, I don't think I can do it if I can't call Brian and say, hey, dude, take a look at this, or let me ask you this question. It's crazy how you get a little bit codependent once you start a venture, if it's successful, I guess. But, uh, yeah, we, we definitely collaborate. I asked his opinion on tons of stuff, and, you know, I certainly got a chance to preview a little bit of the stuff and reset. It's a great book. Really, really cool. Um, so, for sure, we still work together on almost everything. So, Brian, yeah, it's, and, um, it's, yeah, uh, go ahead. No, 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 no. You finish your thought. All I was going to say is, um, you know, we've we've kind of collaborated on a number of, of different things here. I mean, we had, uh, in addition to Tier One, we had this other series, um, Alex Ryan series with the international and a, and a science component. And you mentioned Jeff's medical background, and that's something that. Jeff and I both is, are definitely interested in technology. We're interested in, in medicine and sort of this cutting-edge uh, advances in, in biotechnology. And so we we try to find a way to work those into some of the other work. So while Tier 1 is this sort of hard-boiled, gritty, straight-up military thriller series, you know, our other stuff, we like to play around with these other ideas that are just what I would call, I wouldn't call them science fiction. I just call them near, fiction, near science fiction, you know, stuff that's maybe five, ten years out in the future. Hmm. Gotcha. So when you were, I guess the, I guess the question is, so what kind of, you know, when we kind of venture into, into tier one, when, first of all, I I guess we just got to get out. So how did the collaboration and the book kind of come together? Was it one of you kind of saying, I got this idea or I got this character or I got this thing, you know, and then you kind of came together or, did you guys just say, you know what, we got to do a book, and then you kind of both bring it together? Give us the conception, you know, I guess from the chicken to the egg, how, you know, <laughs> sort of breathing There's light. probably two stories, and neither one of us remembers which one is true anymore. It's kind of like when uh, people ask me and my wife, you know, how did you guys meet? My story is she saw me in the hallway and chased me and wore me down until I finally took her out. I, yeah. She doesn't remember it that way at all, and so yeah. there may be a little <laughs> bit of that here. But the way I remember it is, uh, I had to constantly I tell my wife, we were... "No, no, no," and then I finally <laughs> said yes. Right, right. <laughs> oh yeah, she doesn't remember that <laughs> way. And, and her story was like a pity thing. But anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's Brian and I met in uh, at in New York at Thriller Fest when we were both debut authors, um, and you know I I don't do well in those in those big social settings. I just don't enjoy them. And so I was sort of went through the book and looking for other military guys that I could kind of hang out with and have someone to talk to. And Brian was a Navy submariner. And so when I ran into him at a cocktail party, I saw the name and I was like, Oh, I know that dude. He's that's one of that's a Navy guy. So we sort of struck up a conversation and our kids were the same age and our wives are very similar. And we had this Navy thing. We just kind of hit it off and became friends. And it was really nothing more than that. And uh, about a year later, Brian reached out and said, hey, listen, dude, I want to talk to you about this thing. I've got this idea for this story. It's kind of a germ of an idea, but it involves Navy SEALs and 
you know, covert operations and stuff. And I know you kind of have a background in that. What do you think about trying to write a book together, like co-authoring a book? And I immediately said, that's insane. There's no way I could ever do that. And uh, I just couldn't imagine what that would be like, having been writing by myself for a time. But he asked a couple more times, and in the interim, we sort of were brainstorming this project, and it got more and more real, and it got more and more exciting, and I kind of fell in love with the story. So after a couple of months, Brian came back and said, look, dude, let's do this. Let's just write five chapters. If it's going great, we'll keep going. If it's not, you can keep the story. And I was like, oh, shit, that's kind of hard to, that's kind of hard to turn down. So we did that, and we wound up – how long, Brian, for that first one? Like four months, I think, is what it took to do the rough draft of that book. It just flew. It was like it wrote itself. And that was a few years ago, and now we've written whatever, six or seven books together, and it's just – there's no looking back. So I mean, that's how I remember it was. I was the reluctant. I don't know if it could ever work, and he kind of wore me down, but thank God he did because it's just so much easier writing with Brian than it was by myself. So cool. Okay, Brian, let's hear your side of the story. <laughs> yeah. You know, he, 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 he must be sleepy, so he told it pretty accurately tonight. So I would say that's pretty accurate. Oh. Um, <laughs> you know, the only thing I would add to that is that, um, you know, we both come from this military background, and it's, you know, writing is a lonely, can be a very lonely activity. I mean, you're there by yourself. Uh, you have nobody to bounce ideas off, especially if your spouse works or, or if you're single. Um, you know, you're, you're there just trying to get this story out to get writer's block, and then you're stuck. You know, but uh, coming from this military background, we're used to doing everything in teams, collaborating on all the hard problems. I mean, there, there's no real Lone Rangers in the military. I mean, we work as teams. And um, that was just something I, I found once I started transitioning to writing, that I, I really missed that. Um, element of collaboration and teamwork and just having a buddy, you know, to just bounce ideas off of. And that, that's the best part of this whole venture. And I think when we first started this, we were surprised at how, uh, how quickly we fell into this group of, okay, let's, how are we going to tackle this? And we just divided the novel into, into its constituent components and we just tackled it. We made it into like a, a real military project and, um, and that method has worked really well for us. And we're still, what's funny is we're still using basically that same method that we used uh, for the first book. And like Jeff said, I mean, now we just finished writing our seventh book and um, together, and, and uh, the method still works. That's, that's fantastic. Um, but how do you resolve conflicts with each other when you stumble on something that, like, hey, you know, Uh, Jeff, want to take that one? Yeah, I'll tell you that, first of all, this sounds like um, one of those things you just say in an interview so that everyone thinks everything's beautiful and happy and there's rainbows and unicorns. But honestly, (laughs) there isn't that much conflict. (laughs) Every now and then, there will be, you know, something will come up with a storyline or a character or whatever, and we have a difference of opinion. But we have never, at least so far, I'm jinxing it now, but... um, So far, we've never had something where during the conversation it didn't just sort itself out. But I I will tell you that I think that that is – we're proactive in that because I think that the reason that that's true is because we very much planned this out. And we had a lot of conversations up front about 
not just our philosophy of storytelling and you know how important is character in that in, we didn't just make sure we matched as storytellers but the whole thing like the business side of it everything we made sure that we were melded and that we were on the same page and so i think that what happens is when there's a difference of opinion we talk about it without a sense of ownership does that make sense like there, it's not a pride thing there's no ego it's not well, that was my idea. I, I think that after the first book, especially once we started into the second book, all of that ego stuff and sense of ownership stuff just dissolved and went away. And so there really is that sense that we're writing a book. There's never, I'm writing, oh, that was my chapter and you're picking apart my chapter. This again, sounds like a lie that you make up in an interview. But when we go back and we're in the edit phase doing DE and stuff like that in a book, I cannot tell you who wrote the first draft of the vast majority of those chapters. I just don't remember. It's just we wrote the book, and then we resolved the issues in editing. So it, that sounds kind of fluffy, but for us, at least for me, from my perspective, it's really true. Hmm. That's cool. Yeah, and yeah, the key we, there, we've had – I think the key – go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Finish. I was just going to tack on one little thing again. I mean, I think the, the last thing Jeff said is what it's, it may be hard for some folks to understand that for us, I mean, the book is just a product of our joint effort. So, I mean, it wouldn't exist without the two of us working on it. Just like I would never claim that, you know, well, my oldest daughter is mine and then the middle daughter is my wife's kid. And, you know, like, well, I mean, you're raising, you're raising these children together. You're both, it's a contribution. These, these books are sort of like that. I mean, they have a life of their own. Uh, we're just trying to, uh, you know, in, in put as much of our guidance into the, you know, mutual guidance into the project to, to guide it along as it goes. And, I mean, at this point, uh, it's kind of strange, but it feels like the, the characters and, and the, the series really has sort of taken on, on a life of its own. When we sit down and talk about uh, where it's going to go and what's going to happen in the next uh, installment, it's uh, it's pretty strange when uh, we come to agreement. I mean, like there there is no arguing about it. It's just this is what this is what's going to happen to these people, and this is how they're going to deal with it. Um, and we just try to make it the most the most interesting uh, story that we can. Yeah, I think the parenting analogy is brilliant. Like that's that, that's a really good analogy for how it sort of works out. And the only last thing to say about the co-authoring thing is that it it works for us. And it probably only works for us. Like the details of how we do it probably only works for us. We've sat on, I don't know, a handful of panels now with other co-authoring teams, and everyone's like, you know, well, describe your describe your method. And Brian and I will sort of outline how we do things and how we split up POV chapters and stuff like that, and we'll get through it. And inevitably the other writer's like, well, that's ridiculous. That can't possibly work. It's like, well, dude, I don't know what to tell you. Like I'm not making it up. That's <laughs> That's how we do it. But the beauty is when we hear their method, it's like, well, that can't work for us either. So it really is just, you know, you find your own way as a as a writing team, just like you did when you were writing by yourself. I mean, I don't write like Brian. Brian doesn't write like me. And no one else writes like Andrews and Wilson. That's true. And now I want to let people know, too, is that um, the three of the books are out. So the first one's called Tier One, and then you got the second one, War Shadows, then you got Crusader One, and then the next one, American Operator, comes out November the sixth. So three of the so three of the books are out right now, and I know that you said seven, so you already got like three in the can ready to go. 
Yeah, we've got a lot of stuff going on. We've got um, other. Are they all tier other... one books? Are all seven? Well, we've got... Are the other three? Oh no, no. We've got a blend of stuff. We have we have this Nick Foley series that we did, uh, Beijing Red and Hong Kong Black, with another publisher. Those are out, and then we've got a couple of standalone things that we're shopping right now that are you know a little less of the military stuff. Brian had sort of hinted that we do some, have been playing around with some other more speculative thrillers. Um, you know, Reset, which, by the way, I'm not just trying to plug my partner here. You guys got to read that book. It's a great, it's so creative. Um, that's got a really cool sci-fi element. The other ones that we've done that are standalones, they're not really military thrillers at all, but they have very speculative elements in them. And we'll have to leave it at that because we're kind of shopping things around. But um, So we've done other things together as well. Um, and it's the process is the same no matter what kind of book we're doing. Gotcha. So then when you're so you guys started out and of course you know you started out in the military now you've now you've kind of branched out and like you said like you have some that you're shopping are kind of outside of that genre how was that challenge i mean was it was it easier because you've already written together or was it difficult because maybe you're kind of a little outside the comfort zone how kind of was it when you started to get outside of this main genre of tier one and kind of jumping into something that you said is not so military style. Uh, it's sort of both. I mean, not, not harder, the working together part. I think the method is pretty much the same, but I think, you know, I'm, I think Brian would agree with, see what you say, Brian, but I think it's a little more challenging to do the things that are outside of the tier one series. It's super simple to, you know, try to put, sort of a, uh, an amalgam of people that you've known into a fiction and come up with a, a cool story. But the more speculative things, it's a little more challenging because you don't have your personal experience to rely on. I don't think it challenges us as a team, but individually I think it's just more challenging. You, you agree with that, Brian? Yeah, I agree with that. Um, but I would also mention that, you know, Jeff's uh, background before he started writing uh, the Tier 1 series, was you had more of a horror uh, angle to your to your work. Um, so if you read some of his earlier stuff, like Fade to Black or The Donors, you'll see that uh, the dude's got uh, some some twisted thoughts at times, and uh, he can scare the hell out of you. And uh, you know, it's sort of fun to be able to. Um, and Jeff and I have talked about this. It's fun to be able to sort of take the gloves off, because like I said before, in Tier One, it's hard-boiled, gritty, and we try to be as accurate as we can with, you know, without violating operational security uh, matters. You know, we try to keep that series very well grounded in, in the present and in reality. But, I mean, we both have this interest in sort of playing around with these other strengths of ours. So, you know, these, these other more speculative elements allow us to sort of go back to Jeff's roots, incorporate some uncomfortable, uh, you know, elements from horror that are uh, gut-wrenching and then also to maybe explore some of these other uh, near-term technology-type ideas that, that seem to get me up in the morning, too. So, um, yeah, it's, you, you build these other worlds and you have some freedoms that you don't have in, uh, in the Tier 1 series. Gotcha. Well, you had some horror elements in Reset. I gotta tell you, man. Come on. 
<laughs> yeah, he's he, don't let him sell himself short. He's he's just as twisted as I am. Don't let him fool you. That's a good, good thing. Good, okay. Yeah, um, enjoyed that book immensely, by the way. So uh, throwing that out there. Um, so I got a two-part question Thank for you. you guys. Um, so the first question is, since our show deals a lot with the business side in, of uh, publishing, talking about agents and things like that. How do you guys work together with two different agents? And then follow-up question, why the different name for the Beijing Red series? Well, the the agent thing is easy. We we are now represented by the same agent. So when ah. um, when we were shopping the Tier 1, um, we uh, were sort of working more with um, Talcott and Notch, and uh, that's where we landed the deal. And now... Um, our agent, best agent in the business, Gina Panateri, we love her to death. Um, she is now representing both of us for both our, our combined works and all, you know, our co-author works as well as our standalones. Uh, so she represents both of us. So that part's super easy. Um, thank, thank goodness. Um, so that's not, not been an issue for us at all. Cool. Oh, that's great. And yeah, what was the second half? Uh... Oh, um, why Alex Ryan? Oh, that wasn't up to us. That's a, a Crooked Lane uh, Books who published that decided that they wanted to do a uh, pseudonym um, for that series. Um, I don't know if it's because we were co-authoring it or what their reasoning was. Uh, it was also understand that these these series were sort of being developed and getting ready to launch close to the same time, and so. Yeah, I, w- I don't know if maybe they would have thought differently if they had known how hugely successful the Tier One series was going to be. You know, now that now that those books have been bestsellers and stuff, I don't know if they would do it differently. But the Alex Ryan pseudonym was sort of given to us by by the uh, the hierarchy over at Crooked Lane. Okay. So and, and you would be amazed. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, you'd be amazed how uh, difficult it is to transition readers over to that other series. I mean, you would think that, um, you know, they'd say, well, what else have these guys written? And it'd be pretty easy to, to jump over to that other name, but it, it, it doesn't appear to be. <laughs> so, oh, no, it's yeah. not. I mean, you can just look at They're all good, and, man. And, and, Come on. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I kind of use music as an analogy at times, but you can do the same thing. You know, Aerosmith is wonderful. Steven Tyler goes out on his own, he ain't getting the same amount of people in an arena. He ain't doing the Staples Center over here, but Aerosmith is doing the Hollywood Bowl and, and you know, Dodger Stadium, and Steven Tyler's singing to 2,000 people on a solo tour. I mean, it's the same guy, but he's not getting the same amount of crowd because it's not Aerosmith. Right, it's all, so, that's, that's the business side you were alluding to, right? That's where mm-hmm. marketing and promotion and branding yeah. and all that come in. And it's not like some people don't do it. I mean, look at it, look at Heather Graham. You know, she publishes under three different uh, names, and do you know why she's that like is? An international bestseller in all of them, so awesome for but her. But do, you know, do you know why she had to publish under three different names? I, I don't. I don't. I mean, I know the genres were very different. The, well, no. The, the, at the very beginning, when she was young, and this was way back when, you know, when the publishers had 100% total control over everything, pretty much. But now it's it's not as bad because. You, authors now have more options, so you guys have more power. 
they literally bought her name and she was not allowed to use it. So she had oh my to gosh, put in her maiden name in there to start writing. And it wasn't until she got popular enough and had enough money to be able to buy her own flipping name back. <laughs> oh, wow. That's an awesome, yeah. awesome story. I'm so glad I know that. <laughs> so they bought her freaking name, and she couldn't even run. That's why you see, like, Heather Pazarazzi Graham and whatever, because she literally lost the ability to write under her own name. See, that, that's the dream where, where I become so successful that I have to save up money to buy my name back. That's that's, yeah. Isn't it? I'm not shedding any tears for you, Heather, you're like, if you're listening, just so you know. At that point, you're like, am I even a person anymore? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's how that happened. I, you know, Because we've had many conversations with Heather, hours upon hours of conversations, and we were totally taken back. But, again, that was a time when, first of all, I mean, really, women authors – basically had to write romance even if they wanted to write thrillers. I mean, you can look back at almost every fiction thriller woman author today, and you're going to look back and you're going to see their beginning was probably romance, the bigger ones, like the Sandra Browns, you know, and Nora Roberts with J.D. Robb. Patricia Cornwell was one that never had to do that. And there was a couple others, but most everybody in those genres and that got big had to start out with some kind of a romance, and then they finally were able to sell enough to where it was like, okay, you can do this little suspense thing if you want to. <laughs> yeah, look at them now, right? Uh, yeah, now they're all laughing. They're all laughing at them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, they could buy yeah. our names, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> they could buy us. Hey, my name's for sale. There's a price, but it's for sale <laughs> if you want it. Well, my price if you really want to go down that path, hey, I've had, it for, I've had it for 47 years. I could use a change. <laughs> Fine with me. But so when you guys are starting to, you know, like write something different on your own, and do you guys make sure that it's not anything maybe a little too close to the collaborations and that it is a much different kind of voice and story than it is together just to kind of separate yourself away from the writing team? I don't know. If, I don't know I consciously. So. We you know we talk about. Well, first of all, one thing that's nice about this writing team is is we've really become best friends too. So like we're invested in each other's families and lives and stuff. So it's not like we have this block of time when we're working together and then we go off on our own. And I write a book and Brian goes, "Oh shit, I was going to write that book." Like that that doesn't happen because we're. Um, first of all, we're so busy with this series now that it's hard to find time for other stuff. But we're we're totally in, in sort of in sync with what the other guy is doing, mostly because we have to schedule it now. So, you know, yeah. in order for one of us to do a standalone project, we got to put that in the schedule a year in advance to be able to make sure that that, you know, big block of time is available and the other person's going to have something to do. And so there's a lot of discussion about what we're working on. But I will say again, to sort of bring it back to the business side of it, promotion and branding and stuff like that is important. And so when we're working on solo stuff, we do have conversations about how will this promote the brand? I mean, you know, we're paying our bills with Andrews and Wilson. And so if we're going to do some standalone thing that is just because it's that idea we had in high school and it's not going to promote the larger brand, we're probably 
not going to do it. So, you know, there are business discussions, too, about how these things will play together, how they promote the Andrews Wilson brand uh, if we're going to do things, you know, that are that are separate. But there's always communication. Like, I, we always know what the other guy is doing. Gotcha. Um, hey, that one of the for, things that, that for you, Brian. Oh. oh yeah, no. I mean, it's funny. We just had this conversation. We're just finished up the DE on uh, American Operator, and so then we're having a conversation with us. Okay, well, we need to sit down. We need to talk about uh, where are we going to what what's the next book we're going to finish? Where are we going to slot in the next book? And I was talking about okay, if you're if, if we are going to work on because we do have a couple solo things that we're kicking around, um, just based on some interest. From, from different parties. So it's like we have, you know, it looks like three, three, at least three joint books that we want to do, and and then we each have a solo project that we want to do. So, I mean, that's 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 like two years of work. <laughs> so, yeah, at least. Yeah. It is, at least. More, more than that, um, you know, if I, if I let him work at his pace. Oh, God, here it comes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, no conflict, sure. I um, have, I have, <laughs> Yeah. I have like we're seeing one, them. We're seeing the band break up right in front of our eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and then it took a nasty turn. Yes. <laughs> when one of the things I wanted to ask you guys, because I'm a big fan, I love your books, and this day and age, there seems to be so many books that are special ops and military thrillers, and I'm wondering how do you guys make your stories stand out in this you know, glut, I guess, uh, that's not the right word, but you, you, you know what I'm saying? There's so many out there. How do you guys, differ, you know, keep yours separate and stand out? Brian, you want to Or do you, you even think about it when you're writing them? Oh, no, we, we – yeah, I'll, I'll take a first crack at it. So, uh, and I, I probably – maybe I'm revealing on Mojo here. I don't know, but um, – one of the things that we did very intentionally from the beginning with Tier 1 is we said, you know, we don't like how um, in a lot of these thrillers you have this villain that's introduced in the, in the story and, and, and the villain gets, uh, he's a big bad guy or nasty and he gets dispatched and then you go to the next book and you got to create a new villain and then uh, they get dispatched. And, and I think it creates this, sort of cycle where eventually, you know, by book 12, it, it just really starts to seem all the same. And how many, how many Uber villains can you create? And, and you know, when Jeff and I are talking about, you know, that's not really what it's like in real life. Like, you know, Putin's been around for a long time and he's, he's an Uber villain, but he's still there. And he, he's going to be around as, until somebody kicks him out. And uh, so in, in the real world, you know, these guys, these enemies, they stick around. Uh, they insulate themselves. They have their plans and they work their plans. And so what we did with Tier 1 is we said we want to reflect that in the series. You know, it's not just that our bad guy, our, our Tier 1 team or our member team gets to show up and at the end of the book everything's just perfect. They, they, they kill the head bad guy and everything's great. Like, it didn't work that way. And so we tried to reflect that in the series. And so we use a, uh, an, an antagonist arc. So we have a villain arc. So the, trilogy, the series is sort of divided up into these trilogies. So the first Tier 1 trilogy was about uh, the Persian threat and VBAC, and um, that's where our antagonists were. And so it took three books to sort out um, all those plots and subplots. Yeah, I absolutely 
absolutely agree that that is one of the things that we've done well that make us stand a little bit apart. You know, it's not so cookie cutter. Um, I think the other thing that we do, uh, and also very intentionally, is there's a tendency in these in these thrillers, not for everybody, but I've got some, some authors that I love uh, who don't do this, but there is a tendency in this genre to paint the protagonists with the same very shallow brush that Brian is alluding to for uh, for the bad guys. And that is that they're these superheroes, all you know about them is when they're kicking in the door and hosing down the room and capping the bad guy and then, you know, putting on their red cape and flying back to wherever they came from. And we very intentionally have tried not to make it that way. And we both have had the the luxury of having worked with some amazing people and been in these communities and, and called these, these guys brothers and colleagues. And so we set out in our very first conversation about doing the first book, we said, look, we want to paint these guys this way. They're going to have strengths, but they're going to have weaknesses. They're going to have frailties, but they're also going to just have an everyman sort of characteristic. You know, the thing that's amazing about real seals is how unremarkable they are when you're just at the grocery store and talking to them. They're just so ordinary. They're ordinary people that just have this amazing drive to do something impossible. And they do it very well, and then they come home, and they take the garbage to the curb, and they go to their kid's baseball game. They pick up milk on the way home. And so we wanted to paint the the good guys with real backstories, real trauma, real baggage, real relationships, and we wanted to pull those threads through each arc of the series as well. And I think when you do that and you develop these characters that people can relate to, that they feel they know, like Stephen King does in horror, not that we do it that well, but um, when they become that real, people want to know what happens in the next book because they care about the people even more than the story. And so I think those those two things, having nice you know, uh, antagonist arcs and having realistic protagonists, I think is sort of the key to standing yourself out. Very nice. Uh, and, you know, when you talked about, you know, Navy SEALs and you talked about how they are when they go home, you know, they're not carrying, you know, their, their 45s or, you know, whatever, and, you know, they're not shooting people on the street and doing all that. They're not going out and stopping bank robberies. I mean, they're just normal guys unless they have to do this mission. So can can you give everybody a little bit, both of you, give a little bit about what your background was in the Navy? Like what did you guys do uh as far as like you know to lend this experience to your story well i was a i was a nuclear submarine officer i served on a fast attack submarine in the pacific and uh we were the type of boat we were called a type a uh, boat which meant we just had we had a great total ray sonar we had uh, torpedoes we had vertical launch uh tomahawks we could carry mines uh, we had some some great electronics that just allowed us to do all the different types of missions the submarine could do. So we could do uh, blue water ocean operations, which is sort of the, the Tom Clancy, Hunt for Red October type stuff that, uh, you know, was famous in the 1980s as blue water, you know, U.S. versus Russia type stuff. We did that. We did uh, littoral surveillance. We launched salvos in Gulf War. Uh, in fact, my boat opened uh, was the opening salvo in Gulf War One, um, and we did uh, uh, you know battle battle group escort. So pretty much all the different missions that a submarine could do, we did. And um, 
you know, this this sort of tip, you know, we, we use the term tip of the spear, so a submarine is sort of the tip of the spear stealth platform. It's not one guy, it's a crew, but you're operating contested areas and you're very much alone. You're not in communication with the rest of the Navy when you're doing your missions. And uh, there's a lot of parallels between uh, this machine doing what it does and what the, the Navy SEALs do uh, when they're at the tip of the spear, not in communication, in harm's way. So uh, that was my background. And we did, we did shuttle those guys around too from time to time as well. Um, and then I'll, I'll kick it over to you, Jeff, to talk about uh, your background. Yeah. Yeah, mine's a little more schizophrenic. My uh, my mom says I can't keep a job is my big problem. But um, I had a, a pretty diverse background before medicine. I had um, I'd done done some things, worked with some worked for the federal government for a period of time, and uh, eventually wanted to sort of move away from all of that and find something else. So I went to medical school, uh, thinking I'm going to be a big brain academic surgeon. I didn't have Brian's brain, so I, I didn't do that. But I but I went to med school and I was uh, in general surgery residency planning, having just been accepted into a vascular fellowship when uh, those jackasses crashed all those planes into the towers and the, and the Pentagon. And it just completely pissed me off. I had, I had been in the Navy reserves previously. And within a week, I was back in the Navy and um, finished out my fellowship and then deployed uh, with a uh, Marine unit as part of a Frist team, the devil docks out there in the sandbox with those guys. And while I was down there, I ran into some guys from sort of my previous life and um, came back from that deployment and got recruited to work with a uh, East coast based uh, seal team and wound up doing that for the next uh, several years uh, deploying with those guys and uh, helping develop some medical plans for those guys. So, probably the greatest joy and pride of my life other than my family is having worked with, uh, with those guys and the relationships that I built there and the, you know, the relationships I still have with them. So working with those guys, being downrange definitely gave me some insight in, into how, how the teams work, but also how the individuals work, what those guys are like, what their personalities are like. So, um, I'm just, uh, I'm just a kid that never grew up. I've been a pilot. I've been a firefighter. I've been, I don't know what else. Cowboy. I guess I haven't been a cowboy, but uh, all <laughs> we were those all things, cowboys you, all we those like things you wanted to do when you were like eight, I just like yeah. knocked them off the list. And right. See, and I think it's important but, when you share your background because what it does is, like I said, it 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 gives that book that that honesty that that people are looking for that experience instead of like, oh, this is just somebody who read a lot of Mitch Rapp and, you know, right. Brad Thor books, and it's like now he's just trying it on his own. You know what I mean? So, yeah, so that's what I people like should know can. about us. Like, we're held accountable. Like, if we write something really far yeah. out there, we still have friends in the community that are going to come kick our ass. Like, you know, <laughs> when those books come out and our buddies read them, there's somebody on the phone that's going to say something. And it hasn't happened yet, thank goodness. But don't think that when we're writing we're not thinking about that. <laughs> That's good. Well, I, I'm in awe of you guys, and thank you for your service. And also, I want to say thank you for staying up past your bedtimes. I really do appreciate <laughs> yeah, that you know, as well. I'm on the East Coast over here. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So my final question to you guys before I, we have to wrap up, unfortunately, because I'd love to talk to you guys for hours, is um, one of the other things we argue about, uh, John and myself here, is uh, the thought of series books versus standalone books. And I'm wondering, what do you guys prefer doing? Brian, you should definitely leave that off since you just released a standalone book. I mean, I exactly. Think let, let's hear it, man. What, do you, mean, got the, what do you got to the, say for yourself? The, the <laughs> simple answer is we like both, right? I mean, like, we don't want to get pigeonholed into, into one or the other. So we hope, you know, God willing, we can do both. We love writing the series. And I think as far as standalones go, any standalone that we put out, whether it's a co-authored standalone, like the that we mentioned, we have several projects in the hopper, which would be, quote, standalone books. But if there's if there's uh, reader demand and and there's more stories to tell, we'll we'll tell them. Uh, we'll we'll write these series uh, as long as there's people that want to read it and there's there's life in the series. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. There's a lot of luxury in series where you can dribble out things about characters and relationships, knowing that you have the security of, oh, we'll address that in the next book. Brian, how many times have we had that conversation where we had this great idea? I don't know, we'll put that in the next book so it doesn't bog it down. There's a lot yep. of freedom in that. Um, I think that uh, I agree with Brian. I, I love them both. There's great things about a standalone, too. Um, separate challenges, but separate luxuries. Uh, and I'm just kind of immature, so like we're four books into this series now, so now I'm ready to write a standalone again and so we've got we've got a couple that we're working on and then when we're a couple books into that i'll be like oh yeah we should be writing another series so uh, i love them both they're they they both have good and bad but uh i definitely enjoy both of them well i'll tell you what guys i want to thank you guys so much for coming on but before we get off what i want to do is each of you so i'll start with brian and then jeff what Give out your all your nice fun, you know, the social media, the website, the, the the great place for people to find out about. First of all, your your individual works, and then the um, the the collaborations. Yeah, so we we just have our our, our one um, website, so it's www.anders-wilson.com, and we put all of our work on there. So it's okay. just one place to go, and then and then uh, you know our Facebook is. Andrews uh, and Wilson at Facebook and and uh, our Twitter is uh, B Andrews J Wilson. So yeah, if you want to see anything that we're doing, that's that's the place to find us. Yeah, it's the one. It, we're like we're like Walmart. It's a one-stop shop. And it's and it's good <laughs> to ask Brian first because I wouldn't have been able to tell you what our Twitter or Facebook address was. So thank you, Brian. <laughs> oh, so we can say Brian's the one who tweeted out the time, even though I screwed up. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Good I to know. All the good to know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I gotta take some too because Jeff yelled at me saying, "I told you a month ago," and I'm like, "Yeah, but you know, you didn't tell me today." <laughs> like, told damn you, man, come on, I just got four twenty. Give me like it was just four twenty four days ago. Give me some time to come down from that high. So it's like, you know, come on. I was on vacation last week. Give me a break. <laughs> oh, see, now he wants to break. Yeah, he's on vacation in Joshua Tree, like two hours away. Does the man come to see me? No, he decides to spend five no. hours driving to Barstow. Yeah, that's much more fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's the kind of relationship we have, Brian and Jeff. <laughs> yeah. So, guys, hey, we I wish you, we wish you nothing but the best, though. And 
it's so exciting because so the book, um, like we said, so the first three books are out now, and then Brian, your book Reset launched today. So everyone can jump out and get the yeah. book Reset. That's out right now today. And then the fourth book in the Tier One series comes out in November. So that's right. November two of your 6th. books are right now on sale for one ninety nine. Um, so those are some really great deals. People can go on Amazon, and Amazon's got them on sale for one ninety nine. I think the first two books in the series, which uh, they have on sale, so that's good. Yeah, I think uh, I think one more week. I think the whole month, the first two are on sale. So yeah, that's cool. great. That, and that, so you know, please that's a do really us a great favor. Wait people, till next month. Yeah, but you know, and that's a really great way for people to jump into the series, spend a couple bucks, and you know, I mean, you're spending basically four bucks for two books. And you're having hours of entertainment. I mean, where else can you spend four dollars and have hours of entertainment? I mean, you can't yeah, do it on a peep show just, anymore. Let me just throw in one one final thing. Uh, for for all you folks that love uh, audiobooks, you know, we have just we think the world's most talented voice actor reading the series. Uh, his name's Ray Porter. He's just fantastic. So, um, you know, if if you if you enjoy audiobooks. Please check out uh, the Tier One series and Reset on Audible.com because uh, this guy Ray Porter just—he's uh, just top of his game. He brings all these characters to life. And if you get a membership, you get that credit month free. And if you don't have a membership, you can still get discounted products. So that's a good thing. I got mine for fourteen ninety-five a month. I think that's how much it is, and you get that free book a month. Oh yeah. Well, and and yeah. and mention Reset also being out today is terrific as well so everybody go get the tier one books go get the alex ryan books go get reset they're all great these guys are great writers that's why we had you on the show well, thank you guys we sure enjoyed being it. with you i hope we see you guys in new york at thriller fest if you're there oh yeah, yeah, jeff, jeff, will be there. Sure. jeff will be there i probably won't be there but yeah jeff will definitely be there yeah, Brian, Brian is buying unless it's at the cocktail thing where it's free drinks and then it's on me. <laughs> then I'm, okay. That's, that's right. I don't drink, Where but that was tempting. <laughs> yeah, I'll treat you to dinner as long as it's under a dollar, right? <laughs> oh, great. He's taking you to the dollar McDonald's menu. <laughs> but only on the days. Of course, you guys. I had a great time. But he's only going to do it on the days. Where the Mariners have, you know, their special running. If they do something special, they get something McDonald's free or something. Probably, he's like, then you can go. <laughs> I know how he is. But all right, guys, you guys anyway. enjoy yourself again. Thank you so much, and good luck with everything in the future. And we hope to talk to you guys soon. All right, guys, thanks again. Great okay. time. Thanks. All right, bye bye. Bye bye. Have a good so one. Good everybody. Again. That that is authors Brian and Andrews and Jeff Wilson, and they were talking about their Tier 1 series, but then Brian's solo book is out today called Reset, so make sure you grab that one. And like I said, the other, a couple of the other ones are on sale for $1.99 through the end of the month, so it's a really great deal. And four bucks to jump into the series. I mean, I, I mean that's a, you, you, can, you can not buy Starbucks one day and go get two great books. Starbucks lasts what? 20 minutes, $4 with two books, hours of entertainment. I mean, what are you and, it, do? and if this right? is the type of book you like, you should be reading their stuff. I guarantee it. You'll enjoy it. Yeah. If you like the military political thriller, you got to get in and, and get on this one because it is, it's a, it's a saturated field, but there are 
authors like this, like, like, like Jeff and Brian, that do bring a little something different to an already, like, you know, an already saturated field of military and political thrillers that are kind of out right now. You see them all of the time. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, Jeff, it's always a pleasure. Thank God you made it back from Joshua Tree and you were able to have a great trip. Uh, so happy that you're here. And um, oh, well, again, well, thank you. And uh, yeah, it was um, fun. And Coachella didn't distract, so that was good. No, that's true. Oh yeah, that's right. You were out there at the Coachella weekend, or close to um, uh, Palm Springs. And uh, yeah, we, we, let's just say we could tell it was going on. Oh, I'm sure you can because that is an absolute <laughs> zoo yeah. out there. Yeah. I've never been, but I know people that have been, and you couldn't pay me enough to go to that concert. No way, no how, ever. Um, because you got to, I mean, if you don't get a hotel, just so you know about that, if you don't get a hotel, which, of course, is massively expensive, and you're talking like five or six people in one room because you've got to afford it, then you're sleeping in a tent out in the desert. And if you're outside in the desert, it can get pretty chilly sometimes at night in the desert. Yeah, we saw a lot of tents up, that's for sure. Yeah, and it can get pretty, pretty chilly. And I got to tell you, I'm not sleeping outside with that many people that go to that show because that would scare me. <laughs> you know, that is a horror serial killer book waiting to happen. Some guy's going around killing people at a music festival. Uh, you know what I mean? Like some kind of strange serial killer or whatnot. Who knows? This is weird. You could call it Coquilla. Oh, there is one. My fabulous wife just sat here and told me that Bentley Little, I guess, did that book called The Burning Man. Oh, it's at there the you Burning go. Man. Okay. It's at The Burning Man. And Bentley Little. Do you want to know a cool little nugget about Bentley Little that she told me about, too, a while ago? Do you know who his college roommate was? No, I don't. The guy who invented SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah. yeah. Bentley Little's college roommate was the guy who invented SpongeBob. So imagine a horror author with SpongeBob SquarePants, and they were together in a dorm room. <laughs> That's hilarious. So it might have happened in an interview, but I remember years ago when we first talked, because he's a very, very reserved author to try to get interviewed. I'll tell you that. He is very difficult. He does not like to do that kind of stuff. And I think he's being published now by Cemetery Dance. But if you, I don't know if you've ever read any of his stuff, um, but he has one that's extremely freaky because we live now in an HOA uh, where our house is. And so he has a book out called The Association, and it's just freaky. It's about like an HOA. And okay. it's freaky, dude. And it was probably out <laughs> 10, 15 years ago maybe. Um, but it is creepy. I mean, this guy is—he's—he's—he's he's, he's under the radar because he don't really—he's not a household name because his books aren't in the movies. He doesn't do hardly any press. We were lucky to interview him when we did interview him. Stephen King loves his work, uh, especially his older stuff, because I know he was plastered onto the books. And he is one of those guys that you either—he's—he's—he's he's, he's one of these. This is what he is. He's one of those guys that you either love his writing or you've never heard of him. I've read a couple of his books and I liked them. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he's like yeah, Scott Nicholson. Everything. 
My wife just popped into there. This is the longest she's ever been on the radio show. This is great. <laughs> we got to get her a headset and get her on one of these times, Jeff. We should get her on to talk about editing and publishing. How about that? I think that's a great idea, and I'm sure I she would love to I think it's a great idea, too. <laughs> Why don't you pitch that to her in an email when you write your movie and book reviews and sweet talk her because she likes you a lot. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll see if it works. Yeah. I doubt it, but we'll, yeah. we'll try. I'll give you her phone number if you want to. You can call her up on the phone and try to convince her that way, too. You just got to get her at the right time. So Tuesday's a really good day because she won't be all distraught because the baby won't be over and she won't put her to sleep. So Tuesdays are really good days in the afternoon to give her a call just to let you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, well, I'll tell you what, everybody. We've had a fabulous time. I want to thank you all for joining us in this extended uh, edition here of Beyond the Cover. Uh, so it was great to be able to talk to uh, Brian and Jeff. Sorry that Eric wasn't able to get on, but maybe I'll find out tomorrow morning what happened, and um, I'll tweet it out and let everybody know. All right. Well, thanks again. It was fun, and yeah. we'll talk to you in a bit. And until next time, everybody, keep reading. See you all in a couple of weeks. Jake Tapper, May right. 8th. Don't forget. Talking about the Hellfire Club. <laughs> Looking forward to it. See you then. Bye-bye.